seated. As many of you all know, we've been working our way through um, a series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We've been looking at various different gifts and the way that they're used and the reason that they are given. And we're still looking at that, but this morning we're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit. Similar, but not the same. Um, John's going to come and read to us from the book of Galatians. So Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Some of you may know that during the month of February, I did something called Detox. don't know whether you've heard of Detox. Um, You give up chocolate for the month of February, which is not bad because it's a short month, isn't it? (laughs) Still quite a long time, though. Um, And you raise money for the British Heart Foundation. So you give up chocolate, you're healthier, and you're also raising money. And so I did this, I decided to do it and put up a Just Giving page and quite a lot of people sponsored me, which was wonderful. Um, And I started off and it it was all right because I had pneumonia. So I didn't fancy chocolate, so that was okay. So for the first part of the challenge, I was doing really well. And then I started to feel better and I fancied a little bit of chocolate, but I didn't. So I was good. And then I thought, well, this is easy. Because I don't fancy chocolate anymore. It's all right, I can do without. I mean, an apple doesn't cut it, but you can have a biscuit or some cake. It's fine. And then my sister came to stay, and we took the boys out to the cinema, and we were having a good time. First of all, we went to McDonald's. I've talked about McDonald's before. And, but I'm used to it now, so we're all right. And uh, we went in, and my sister said, oh, I really fancy a McFlurry. And I went, oh, yes, a McFlurry, that'd be nice. So we got a McFlurry, and uh, we're eating our McFlurry, and I chose the one with the dairy milk in, and I'm eating away, and I really enjoyed my McFlurry. And then we went to the cinema, and my sister said, oh, look what I've got. And she held up a packet of Revels, and I went, oh, brilliant. So we sat in the cinema with the boys, and we watched the film, and we shared these Revels, and it was really nice, and then we came out had a really good time. We spent the rest of the afternoon enjoying ourselves. 
and then went to pick Simon up in the car from work. And on the way back, I was thinking, oh, what can we do tonight? Oh, yes, we could finish that packet of Revels. And then suddenly, I realised I had eaten chocolate. And I went, oh! And my sister went, oh, what is it, Kate? You all right? I went, I've eaten chocolate. And she went, oh, you ate chocolate. I said, I know. And it's five hours later and I didn't even realise. And I was horrified. I'd eaten chocolate and I'd given it up and I hadn't even remembered. I was, I was guilt-ridden. I had that hot, cold sweat come over me. Do you know when you're really frightened, you've done something awful? I was shocked. Because I'd done something that I didn't want to do, that I'd told everyone I wasn't going to do, and I hadn't even realised it, which was more to the point. However, people were very gracious. When I confessed my sins online, um, they still sponsored me. In fact, some people said, oh, I wouldn't even have told anyone. I was like, oh, no, but I was so, I was so guilty. I did an extra day. So, you know, that was all right. And they still sponsored me, and I raised a lot of money. So that was really good. But, you know, it seems that however hard we try, and however good our intentions, sometimes, in fact, most of the time, we just can't seem to stop doing the things we don't want to do. It's as if there's some kind of battle within us that hinders us from living the way that we've desired to live. Which is exactly what Paul is saying here, in the passage which was read to us earlier. The context, of course, is not a sponsored event or a slip-up with a packet of revels, but the results are ever the same. Because, you see, here in the churches in Galatia, which was a region of Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, containing probably about four churches, which, which Paul has written to, there were many young Gentile Christians who were seeking to live their lives for Christ. They'd heard the message of Jesus and the call to a new way of living. And they wanted to put this into practice. The problem was they were receiving some conflicting teaching, conflicting messages, mainly because they had encountered teaching from a group of Jewish Christians. Those who, as the book of Acts tells us, had visited some of these churches for the sole reason of attempting to discredit Paul and the teachings of the apostles. Because being Jewish Christians, they'd grown up in the Jewish tradition and they had seen the importance of standing out for God, of being different, of being called to be a people. And they were now worried about these new Gentile Christians who were coming in. So they were delivering teaching which was focused not only on the transformation that Jesus had brought, but also on the importance of following the law. And most notably, the importance of being circumcised as the Jewish law required. The need to be physically marked out as obedient and different for God. Paul, they claimed, was not a proper apostle because he was diluting the requirements of the Jewish law, claiming that there was no need anymore for circumcision. And because of this conflicting teaching, arguing and fighting and backbiting had broken out between the Jews and the Gentile Christians in these churches that Paul was writing to in Galatia. So this is the reason Paul writes his letter. Firstly, to assert his right as an apostle, which was being attacked by these circumcisionists, as they were known. And secondly, to argue the merits of the gospel. And so he spends the first four and a half chapters of the letter of Galatians doing just that, 
Most notably, making it known that the gospel of Jesus is a gospel of grace and a gospel of love, not a gospel of law. Teaching which he brings to a climax at the beginning of chapter 5 when he says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that Christ has come, says Paul. Not to bring burden and slavery. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Not to be chained again to a set of laws that can only condemn. Not to bring yourselves under Jewish law by being circumcised. But to be free. Free to live a life worthy of the calling of God within your own culture and your own setting. And then Paul goes on to the passage that was read to us by John today, a passage that urges these new Christians not just to be free, but to use this freedom in the right way. Not to use it to indulge in sin, not to use it to fight and argue and devour one another as they have been doing, but instead to use it to love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, he says, love your neighbour as yourself. Or if you like, having talked of the wonderful freedom of Christ and the merits of the gospel, Paul then argues that these young Christians should live in this way. They should remember their calling. They should remember who they are in Christ and what that means for their lifestyle. Because it's only when they remember who they were called to be, free people in Christ, that they can live accordingly. Do you know, I don't know whether you've ever been mistaken for anyone who is not yourself. Has anyone ever been mistaken for someone else? Yes, you have, Sally. Well, I was mistaken for someone once. I was walking around the shops in Bromley, which was near where we used to live in London. I was walking up, and this man suddenly came up to me and went, Oh, hello! Now, when people say this to me, I always just respond, Oh, hello! Because I'm sure they probably know me, and I've just forgotten who they are. And so I'm overly enthusiastic because I think it's the worst thing if you're just like who are you and someone spoke to you five minutes before says hello oh hi says me he said how are you and I said I'm brilliant thank you how are you and they started talking and I'm thinking I don't have a clue who you are and then it carried on and I'm going right yeah and he said do you remember what's it and I'm like yes I do (laughs) and they're doing this now and I said oh that's brilliant and then he went started to falter and then he went you're not Wendy are you and I had a choice I could say no I'm not Wendy however I said I am and then he carried on talking he went are you sure you're Wendy I went yes I'm Wendy it's great to see you and the conversation carried on for a while and I just said anyway I've got to go because I've got a lot to do and I walked off And he thought I was someone else, and he never knew. But the thing was, it was really hard to join in the conversation, because I didn't actually know who I was. I didn't know who I was supposed to be. I didn't know who I was supposed to know. I didn't know what I was supposed to be like. And in the same way, if these young Christians in Galatia didn't know who they were, if they didn't recognise who Jesus had called them to be, namely... God's children, filled with his spirit and free from condemnation, then they couldn't live freely as Jesus longed for them to live. 
Because as Paul goes on to say, even though you are free, even though you have no requirements that you need to meet, you are still in a battle. You're not just ambling along, loving and sharing and everything's wonderful. You're in a battle, a battle of desires, if you like. What you desire to do, live for Christ, speak in love, put others before yourself, is in a battle with what you did before you knew Christ. They are in conflict with one another. And it's a conflict which cannot be solved by being circumcised, or if you like, it's a conflict that cannot be solved by following the requirements of the law and ticking the boxes. It's one that can only be won by remembering who you are, children of God, filled with his spirit to live a life of freedom. So says Paul, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your sinful nature. Keep in step with the spirit And you will produce the life that Jesus has called you to live. Because if you spend all your life striving and straining to live in good and worthy ways, if you use all your efforts to meet the requirements of the law in your own strength, if you forget who you are, the results will only be what your own strength can muster. Jealousy, rage, selfish ambition, factions, envy and the like. This is not the way of the kingdom of God. But if you recognise that you are called to be free and you rely on the Spirit of God to empower you to live this way, if you remember who you are, then the fruit of God will grow. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control because these are the things that come from God. Which is wonderful, isn't it? But you know, often when I look at this passage in the letter to the Galatians, instead of seeing it as a wonderful new life, empowered by the Spirit, I simply see it as a list. A list of things that I find so easy to fall into and a list of things that all too often evade me when I desperately want to do them. Just this week, for instance, I tried, I really did try to be patient and kind and gentle, as I always really try, but I just couldn't quite manage it. And instead, I realised once again that I had been self-seeking and angry and shouty and bitter. I'd been less than loving Just this week, I did lots of things that I didn't want to do. And I couldn't manage to be all those things that I'm called to be. And once again, I looked at this passage and I felt that I'd failed. But you know, the thing about this passage and the thing about these lists which we become so fixated with is that this is not what Paul intended us to focus on. It's not the way he wanted us to look at this passage. He isn't asking the Christians in Galatia and those who had followed them over the years, us if you like, to try desperately hard to avoid doing all the things on the first list, the acts of the sinful nature, and spend the rest of our energy trying to achieve the things on the second list, the fruit of the Spirit. Instead, he's saying that these two lists are the result of how we focus our lives. And he's calling us as people set free by Christ 
to, and filled with his spirit to focus on living in the power of that spirit. That should be our focus. Not on trying to achieve all these things, but to focus on living in the power of that spirit. Keeping our lives in step with the one who now guides us and leads us. We talked about this at house group a few weeks ago and and Pat mentioned about people marching and keeping in step and it reminded me of every time we do the, the Remembrance Sunday down at the memorial. We all gather and we have to walk down. I wouldn't call it a march. It's not quite that grand. But I always, I'm behind the marchers. So I always try and march because I think, oh, well, it would look quite smart. And I know that they always set off on one foot. I can't remember what one it is now. But anyway, I get the right foot. Is it the left? The left. I get the right foot and I start off and I follow the person in front. But do you know, men have such huge strides. So they're like this, and I'm like, God. And I'm just, you know, I'm doing a bit of a jig in the end, trying to get my feet right. And in the end, I think, oh, forget this. Every year, I start off, and then I think, oh, forget this. There's no point. It's just easier to walk. And I end up just doing my own thing. And, you know, in the same way, sometimes keeping in step with the Holy Spirit can seem really hard. We start off all right. But then it seems really hard. We don't always know how to do it. And we kind of like doing our own thing. We lean towards the law, if you like. But as children of God, filled with his spirit, keeping in step with the spirit is how we were made to function. This is how we were called to live, by following God's lead, by continuing to come back to him by having the courage to walk the way that he wants us to walk, at his pace and his speed, learning to live by his spirit rather than striving towards the law, if you like. Because this is the freedom that Jesus has paid for. And when we do this, when we focus our attention on living by his power and in his love, then slowly and gradually And surely, the fruit of God will start to grow in our lives. Let's pause for a minute before we pray together.